0: Would you do something for me? I know this is out of our ordinary, but I want you to take a moment to turn to someone around you, perhaps maybe someone you have not spoken to, and greet them very quickly. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to greet somebody, and then I'm going to give you one more instruction. But turn around and say howdy to somebody you haven't seen today. Okay, now pause, pause, hold on just a second, stop wherever you are, just pause. The next person you greet, I want you to greet them like they have just given you a $10,000 cash gift. Go. Okay, okay. Now I'm going to ask you something. Was there anything different between the first greeting and the second? Yeah. Today we are going to talk about this word that I made up. harditude. <laughs> what is that? That's heart and what? Okay, I'm done. <laughs> heart and attitude. We're talking about the heartitude. We're talking about the attitude of our innermost being. That's what we're going to touch on today. We're going to talk about the power of words. Words you know shape and define our lives. In James 2, we read this, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. Now, let's think about this. Would you like to be known as spiritually mature? Can I get a yes or a yes? Yes. How about this? Would you like to be spiritually mature? Okay. That's why we're talking about the heartitude Today. James says, if we cannot control our speech, we will have difficulty in being spiritually mature. And as we are talking through this series, I-, I love to tell the story. Here's the thing. Our spiritual maturity is not just important to our life, but it's important to whoever we're trying to communicate Christ to. Still with me? Yes or yes? Yes, okay. The words we choose affect those who are around us, and they do reveal our faith. I hate you. You disgust me. I wish you were never born. I wish you were dead. Stupid. Nobody cares about you, idiot. You're never going to amount to anything. I love you. You matter to me. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. You just made my day. I like your haircut. (laughs) Great job. This place just wouldn't be the same without you. I'm proud of you. We can get through this together. Now let me ask you do you want that over there or do you want over here? Matthew. Jesus says in Matthew 12, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Or to put it another way, what is inside of you is what comes out of you right Proverbs ten, eleven: the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence Psalm 64 evil doers sharpen their tongues like swords and aim bitter words like arrows shooting from concealed places at the innocent and by the way We could spend nothing but just going over different verses just like this. It is pervasive all over Scripture. These are just a few. Evildoers sharpen their tongue. Gossip. Biting sarcasm. Perhaps coming from a place of fear or probably... Maybe coming from a learned attitude of a critical spirit. Now, I don't know up here, because I've not been in Michigan long enough, but down south, we've got a phrase. You can catch more flies with... Oh, you do know it. You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. How old were you when you first heard that? Was that not something that was being passed down from generation to generation at a point in time when we were too young to think that old people knew what they were talking about? But I want to tell you, it's not just what we say about others, is it? Paul Tripp, professor, doctor at Redeemer Seminary in Dallas, says this. You are the most important person in your life because you talk to you more than anyone else. Self-talk. It can be this or it can be this. What are you saying to yourself about yourself. Is is it like this over here? Or, or, or is it like this over here? Because you see the words we say to ourselves about ourselves are important. Self-talk often starts with what other people say about us. And we keep repeating it until we believe it. So, if you're going to tell the story, the first person who you need to give grace to is probably yourself. The church in Corinth was one messed up place. In fact, they were so messed up, they sounded a lot like America in 2023. These people were promiscuous. They ran around on their spouses. There's even the talk in Second Corinthians about a guy who's committing incest, stealing, gossiping, greedy, took advantage of people, talked about them behind their backs and put things in the place that rightly belongs to God. And as Paul calls them out on this, and he enumerates all of these things, he says some of the most wonderful words in all of Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 6, 11, Paul says, and that is what you were. Paul says, people who live like that are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Can you relate? Have have you been guilty of any of those kinds of things Paul's talking about? Have you been unfaithful to your spouse either before or after marriage? Are you a secret thief? Is all of your focus here? Are you greedy? Taking advantage of others? Do you engage in gossip? Slander? Shooting hurtful words from concealed places? Are you focused on serving yourself or serving God in your self talk do you remind yourself that you're less than worthy because of what you were before you met Christ and is that stuff hindering your witness for Christ does it Keep you silent. Do you know what Paul said about those people in Corinth whose former life was like that? Do you know what he said? He said, That is what some of you were, but you were washed, sanctified, and acquitted. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. You see, the truth is, is that the blood of Christ can change those people. And if it can change those people in Corinth, do you think it has the power to change you? Family of God has it changed you. Yes. If you have ongoing sin issues, resolve them. Repent. Live with Jesus as your Lord. Give Him Lordship over your life. Because, brother, sister, sibling, your influence is too valuable for the kingdom of God to let your history keep you from changing somebody else's future. If your self-talk is leftovers from your formal life, then when it comes up and you hear that voice whispering in your ear, you need to shout it down. In fact, what you need to do is you need to whack it. You see that on your note sheet right there? Whack. Okay, uh, that's in an acronym that's going to remind you of something, hopefully, right? Whack. These five words Washed, Holy, Acquitted, Changed, King. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. Christ has made me holy. I am acquitted and my life is changed and he is king of my life. When those thoughts come and haunt you, you hear the voices of relatives and those who you thought were friends that weren't and they're coming back into your mind. Whack it down. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. Christ has made me holy. I am acquitted. I am changed. He is king. You don't have to remember those exact words, but remember this one and whack it down. We have to keep our self-talk in check and also what we say about others. You may remember the story. You may have heard it coming along. You may even have actually seen it as you were growing up. The elementary kid who was sitting there just talking up a blue streak in the middle of the class and the teacher turns and says, Billy, do you kiss your mama with that mouth? Did that make it up here to Michigan? (laughs) You kiss your mama with that mouth. You know what James says? He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. What do you see in this picture? I put that in there to to trigger Ken because I'm sure he knows what that tastes like. That bar of soap. I love you, man. Do you hear what he's saying? How is it possible for you to love God but hate the soul he created, your fellow man? Is it possible for a stream to run with fresh water and salt water at the same time? Do you ever pick oranges off an apple tree? How is it possible for us to be like Christ, which is what we're aiming for, and not love like Christ? Verse 17, James 3, he writes, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And I would submit to you that all of those words only happen in relationships. In order for you to be that way, someone else has to be receiving it. Yes? Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Let me ask you this. How is it that peacemakers sow peace? What do they do it through? They do it through their words. Yes? Now, you may be thinking, maybe it's best that I just don't say anything. (laughs) I know there are times when it's best if I just don't say anything. And if I do, my wife tells me I should have just not said anything. At least once a week. Maybe you think it's just best not to say anything to keep silent. To not talk about Christ. But let me ask you this. How can we keep covenant with God if we refuse to speak about him? Because that's the simple mandate that we've been given. You understand what it is like to have received forgiveness, to have that weight of sin taken off of you. How can you not tell somebody else how to do that? We have to be disciples who make disciples. That's the definition. A disciple is one who learns in order to teach others. Now, you can call yourself a believer. You can call yourself a follower, but you can't call yourself a disciple if you are not trying to meet somebody where they are and take them to where they can be in such a way that they can repeat that process with someone else. biblical discipleship is not just learning it's also giving few simple actions I think we need to do not hard just a reminder I know this is challenging but it's worth it they're on your sheet I'll give you the first word engage your mind before you engage what? Oh, yeah, I know you know this. I'm just reminding you, right? Ephesians 4. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to what? According to their need. means considering them, that it may profit those who listen. In other words, Paul says, if you want To see life change for other people, you have to speak in a way that encourages them. This over here. That encourages them. And in fact, in the very next verse, verse 40, he says, if we don't do this, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Okay. Engage the mind before the mouth. Memorize this verse, and pray this verse. In fact, this is your memory verse for this week. Psalms 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In fact, in your personal prayer time, you can take this verse and read it to the Father. You can take this verse and put it on a note card and write it out and pray every word. And then ask God, how am I doing at this? Where can I improve? What am I doing well? How can you help me make sure that my words and my heart are pleasing to you and I can tell you for some of us it's going to take a change of heartitude it's going to take us changing, enjoying putting on a good mad it's going to take some of us to change enjoying pointing out what we don't like all the time and looking for things that we do Luke six forty five, Jesus says the good man brings good things out of the good stored out in his heart and the evil man brings evil things out of the good stored up in his heart for out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. We also have to believe that our words do make a difference. Oh, I'll bet you know this one, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words do what? They stir up anger. A few verses down, Proverbs 15.4 starts out saying, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. So, we're going to change our heartitude. We're going to look for the good, which means we need to encourage each other to continue to do that. Come alongside of each other and encourage us. And share your successes as much as you share your failures. But look for the positive and look to encourage each other. When you reach out and you have a meaningful conversation with somebody... Come back and tell us about it. Let us be encouraged. Let us learn from you, and so we can help celebrate the fact that you have you have made a step, an inroad. Maybe not gotten somebody totally to accepting Christ, but you've got them to think about something eternal, something important. That's kind of important. Paul writes in First Thessalonians. He said. This is why we sent him. We sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. Why? To strengthen and encourage your faith. Paul couldn't go himself, but he wanted to encourage them, so he sent Timothy to do it for him. The word that's used here that's translated as encourager is actually really simple we we don't think about it but you know what an encourager is an encourager is one who puts courage in someone else to encourage is to put courage in someone else do you do this by talking like that or by talking like this Somebody once said, I don't remember who, so I'm giving the credit to whoever it is. But somebody once said, people are like elevator buttons. Think about it. People are like elevator buttons. How is it that people are like elevator buttons? They can take you up or they can take you down. Next time you step in an elevator, you get ready to push a button. Let that be an encouragement for you to remember that you're like an elevator button. I'm like an elevator button. And let me remind you that that affects how you talk to you as well. You could either talk to yourself like that, or you can encourage yourself and focus on something different. Are you hanging around people that will bring you up? Or more to the point, are you the kind of person that others like to hang around because you bring them Last big one here, if we're going to change our heartitude, if we are going to shape our heart into a Christ-like thing, we need to embrace the Word of God. Dwight L. Moody, great preacher, famous preacher from a generation gone by, he said this, he said, I prayed for faith and I thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. One day I read Romans and it said, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I had up to that time closed my Bible and prayed. For faith. Now I open my Bible and begin to study, and faith has been growing in me ever since. Why is it important that we are in the Word? Another old saying What's in the well? comes out in the water. Amen? We started today in a Sunday school hour talking about a very simple method of getting that word in you as you get into the word and really work with it. If you're not in a Sunday school class, I would encourage you to join us for the next five weeks now as we learn to put this simple method into practice. And i want to tell you, uh, I'm being quite open. This year, we're going to talk about reaching out and hopefully in a way that you will reach out. But this Bible study that we're doing is geared that direction. What I would like to think might happen is we get a core group that's interested in actually sitting down and going through the book of John and doing it story by story in such a way that you know that book backward and forward and you have looked at it closely because John is one of the first books I ever tell somebody who knows nothing about Christ to read. And you know why? Because John is all about the power of God in Christ. And I want to encourage you to get in the Word. I'll give you a very simple but powerful method for doing that. Come next Sunday, 9 o'clock hour, we're meeting in the classroom right by the kitchen. And if we get too many people, we got that great big room. We can set up tables and we can get bigger. Okay? By the way, I'd love that. You would encourage my heart greatly if we had to do that. But I'd like to see those six weeks turn into a Wednesday night study through the book of John. And uh, we're going to start that in those six weeks. So if you want to be on the ground floor, that's where you need to be. What's in the well comes out in the water. Christian siblings... You have the words of life. You know the joy and the comfort that comes from being who you're supposed to be, who the Creator created you to be. You know what that's like to have that weight of sin lifted by Christ. I would encourage you To make certain that your well is deep and full of clean, fresh, running water. Father God, I ask you to please help me control my critical spirit. To pay attention, to be aware when my words are cutting, when my thoughts are off. And I pray, Father, that you will allow me to find out more about you as I focus on you, not for my well-being, but so that I may speak of you in a way that lifts you up and draws others to you in Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.